0: Hi guys, welcome back to the Rainy Days podcast with my guest Jay from Male Potential. So Jay, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hey, mate. Uh, yeah, my name is Jay Nathwani, uh, founder of Male Potential. Um, I'm based on the Gold Coast in Australia, so just on the other side of the world. Um, uh, 25 years of age, uh, eldest of seven kids, uh, long-term partner of five years. And i got my little fur son, Atlas. He's a three-year-old uh, Lhasa Apso Cross Shih Tzu. He's my world. Um, and just out here trying to do a good thing for, for young guys out there just like me.
0: Cool. So what made you want to start the male potential page and what's it about?
1: So, yeah, male potentials, it's quite intricate. Uh, I know a lot of people say that about their own pages, um, but <laughs> it is very intricate. Um, and the reason for that is it did start off quite contemporarily as a as a page about um, helping men, I guess, rediscover um, their innate abilities. So it's, it's all about um as it sounds realizing potential so i'm a firm believer that men especially younger men who have grown up in a in a world where they've been victimized by their previous generations in the sense of something we'll talk about later things like toxic masculinity and yep. and uh, the inequality between men and women and, and you know the the fact that the let's say the the young caucasian male uh, is the most uh, renowned figure and thereby deserves the least opportunity because they've got everything handed to them on a the silver platter so it started off in that respect but it's definitely gone more than that because it's not just about being better um, because people can misconstrue that and say, well, if you're always focused on being better and being more than you are, you'll never be able to appreciate who you are so far. Forgive the rhyming. Um, <laughs> but it, what, it, what it really is, is, is every day that goes past, you should be able to rediscover more of yourself. And in turn, as you're discovering more of yourself, you're able to be more than you were the day before. And then in turn, you're realizing your potential. So, yes, it's about becoming better and more capable, but it's also about discovering your true values uh, and your true way of life uh, and the way you look at the world. And then in turn, you become better for it.
0: So it literally is in a sense that your page explores what the definition is and how to determine male potential, or in this case, what a male, what a male's potential could be based on what how they limited themselves and what they think they can achieve.
1: Absolutely, and, and that that really confines down to the individual because and one of the episodes recently in my podcast series, which we'll talk about, um, yeah. I talk about the concept of being on your own ladder, um, and many people represent life as a single ladder that we are all on, but I, I, I completely disagree with that. I believe we're all on different ladders, and your ladder and my ladder go on different directions. They're different heights. The distance between the rings are different. Yeah, definitely. That represents our journeys in life. That represents the fact that you are on your own journey with your own destination. I'm on my own journey with my own destination. I'm going to have a certain number of obstacles. You're going to have a certain number of obstacles. My obstacles might be harder for me than they are for you or vice versa But in turn, we are both following our own journey. Um, and to to think that um, we should compare those journeys and, and, and define our successes and failures in accordance, um, you'd be kidding yourself because it's not a fair comparison.
0: Definitely agree with that in a sense that I think we spoke about it a little bit when, obviously when we were planning the podcast about um, upwards and downwards comparison in psychology, like Absolutely. how dangerous it can be to compare yourself to people that are better than you and people that are worse off than you. One of the example that is always used is if you are when you're younger doing exams, if you limit yourself or limit your abilities based on the top class, top student in class, like, for example, say you're in a mid, mid uh, like a mid level set in your, let's say, maths and the person at the top of the class gets a B, if you limit yourself to only get the B, you you are limiting yourself. You're stopping yourself to get higher. However, equally, if you then say, okay, the worst person in class got a U, at least I didn't get that, therefore my job is done kind of thing. You shouldn't base your values or your limits on other people's.
1: Absolutely, and then I'd I'd take it in a a slightly different direction. The the amount of impact that one person can have through their actions uh, is uh, quite—it's quite uh, limitless, really. If we look at sport as an analogy, I'm I'm an ex cricketer, and uh, and anyone that knows me remotely well, um, I'm a cricket fanatic. Um, And the person that scores the hundred has made a huge impact uh, for the team that's batting. But equally, the people that support that batsman in enabling him to get to that hundred have played an equally important role. If we look at you know famous matches and this might be lost yeah. on people if they don't know cricket but That's if you look it. at famous matches like uh, Headingley in 2019 when Ben Stokes single everyone says he single-handedly won the game for England no, definitely not yes, he's no. he scored 99% of the runs there's no doubt about that but Jack Leach on the other end who can't hold a bat for his life um carrying carrying Ben Stokes to the final the final run um, you could argue Jack Leach played an equally important role, but he didn't yeah, score anywhere near the amount of runs. So, you know, very easy for Jack Leach to say, well, I only scored one run, but everyone will tell you that that one run he scored to get Ben Stokes on strike was probably the most important run of the day. So... Was, there's something um,
0: really interesting with football at the moment, isn't there? Like um, with the with the Euros here anyway, it's like the idea that, oh, if you put this star player in this other team of star players, they'll do amazingly. Well, not necessarily, because they're used to this support. They're used to like the people that aren't seen as better or aren't seen as the best, helping them out and giving them that support to score a goal. But if you look at it like, oh, this one person is doing everything. They are the best thing ever. One, you're not acknowledging the effort, time, and skill it's taken into the people around them. You're also saying that, oh, if you put this person in any other scenario, they would do the best because you don't really know that. It's not true.
1: Exactly right. And, and you know, one of the analogies I used to use in sport um was, it, you know, your best team is not your best 12 players or best 11 players. It's the best 10, 11, 12 players that work well best together. It's all about the, co- the cohesion and the synergy, so definitely alludes to, to what you were saying. But then to, to answer the other side of the question as well in terms of why I started the page, um, yeah. it's very much coming down to, I guess, my own personal experiences. And I grew up um, as a, a, you know, very traditional, nu- I come from a nuclear family, um, a traditional kind of mum and dad um, I'm a quite a, I'm a and, I, and I, people will ask, well, what does this have to do with the price of fish? Forgive the old, outdated phrase, but <laughs> I'm, I'm heterosexual. Um, I am a very masculine figure, um, and that does play a role, and I, we can go into that a little bit later. Yep, um, but I grew up in a, I grew up in a, in an environment where I felt uh, quite suppressed for being a heterosexual, masculine male, um, and in turn, I, I, I used to get into. I used to find myself in situations where I felt that I was insignificant, or I was wrong, or I felt that I was a lesser of a person, or I'll take it one step further. I thought I was a bad person for having some of these values, or or thinking in a certain way. Um, and I used to come, I used to come across it all the time. And and then at one point, you know, I don't know what changed, but you know, at one point, I just, I kind of stood back up in my own mind and said, well, hang on a minute, this is how I genuinely feel. Um, this is the kind of person I am. I know I'm a good person. I know I've got strong values. Um, Surely everything I'm thinking cannot be exclusive to me. Surely there's someone else out there that thinks just like me. And then as I started to unravel the veil of sorts that was kind of around my immediate social circle, my friends, my family, and all the rest of it, I I started to realise that they all felt the same way too. You know, they said we can't be ourselves as men particularly as like kind of strong confident masculine men because people misinterpret that for toxic masculinity or you know in you know and, and again i've said this a few times um you know i'm all for equality of opportunity between genders uh sexes uh race and all the rest of it I, you'll never hear me disagree with that but you know you've got let's say for example the feminism movement the feminist movement who yep. say that men are x y and z the extremists at least say that and yep. then what happens is you find them in in, in this scenario of a, rom- a romantic relationship or a social friendship and then they say, and then you resist that because they're quite domineering and quite aggressive and then they say, yep. you know, are you afraid of a powerful woman? You know, that phrase comes up every now and then because you try to be a man, forgive the the colloquialism, and they say, oh, you know, you're being toxically masculine and you're afraid of you know, a strong woman. And I don't know if, if you listen to Joe Rogan, but Joe Rogan actually touches on this point in one of his recent podcasts. And he said, and he, I like the way he said it. He's like, you're not, a, you're, not, you're not a strong woman. You're just a, you know, you're just a CNX Tuesday or you're just a bitch. It's, it's not about being a strong woman. You're just aggressive and we don't like aggressive people. Um, and it's, it's quite funny because you kind of misconstrue kind of common uh, emotions and feelers for this kind of contemporary social movement. And people really hide behind that um it's the equivalent think, of me you know treating rip- you like, like a piece of work and then saying okay. well you just you just hate the fact that i'm i'm strong and confident well no you're just treating me like rubbish you know what i mean
0: i feel like it's one of those things where there has to be a line drawn saying that you don't really care for example the gender in a sense that you just want everyone to feel the best they can do about themselves based on their own personal characteristics and beliefs again i'm going to put a Bullet point and say that it's important that as long as those values and beliefs don't reflect harm towards anyone else or anything along those lines. Because I've met a few people that kind of have the same ethos as what you're saying, but they use it as a way to be destructive.
1: Yeah, they use it as a weapon of sorts. Yeah, in a um, sense, and- saying
0: that yeah, I'm I'm this strong, confident guy, therefore I can treat women like shit, blah blah. And they have to deal with this mess. Massive- no, that's not that's not the point that people are trying to make. And. I do agree with the point about people who are on any extreme side of any gender argument as it comes down to it everyone should have a of opportunity based on their skills based on their experience and stuff i still believe in i don't know if you've heard of white paper policies mm-hmm. so basically you know like when you apply for a job Yep. You, you can't put down your gender. you can't put down your background you just have to say okay i've got these grades i've had this experience that way, whoever's hiring can't discriminate on gender because that way it's gone, it's disappeared.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think personally, if if you want to move towards this idea, or if people want to move towards this idea that gender doesn't matter, you either remove it or you support it. or Hardly there is no way around it.
1: Yeah, look, and, and to an ex- to a certain extent, I agree with you. And, and then yeah. the, this, and this is the beautiful thing about these kind of uh, mediums is that we're allowed to have yeah. a disagreement. But the problem I have and this is another part of of kind of the the concept of malpotential is that this concept that we are all equal, and this is going to sound very controversial, but the fact of the matter is we're not all equal. And what I mean by that is that no two people in the world have an identical set of capacities. They don't have identical personality traits. They were not born into the world in the exact same environment with the same exact upbringing. No two people in the world have ever lived with identical capacities. Someone will always be inferior or superior in one way or another. So a good example with my brother and I, um, my the closest older brother, um, him and I are very, very similar. Like you put us in a room, people think we're twins, and and then they they think you've got very similar personality traits and, and all the rest of it. But there are mm-hmm. some very key differences in the sense that, you know, he's very much driven by emotion his emotions dictate his decisions and that gets him into a lot of trouble it also puts him in very positive circumstances which i can't account for whereas i'm very shrewd and i probably don't allow enough emotion to come into my decision so i can become a little bit cold and a little bit clinical but that is a key difference that can permeate into very significant circumstances in both a professional sphere and a personal sphere with your relationships so coming back to the point The the white paper policy, you know, it's fine on paper, but forgive the pun. But the the problem (laughs) I have, though, is that there are implications of being a man versus being a woman that are inherent in our uh, personality traits, the chemicals, like the chemical structure of our bodies, uh, the fact that women can get pregnant, the fact that men can't get pregnant, um, the fact that women unfortunately suffer um, monthly body changes which it does for some women not all women it greatly impedes on their capacity to work and to work at a hundred percent no different to a man yeah. getting sick right so i'm not trying to discriminate but there are there are implications so to say that we can't treat them differently i'm not saying discriminate but at the same time you have to acknowledge the differences right because women will bring in a certain set of skills and traits to the workplace and men won't I'll give you an example. In the Australian, in Australian law firms, especially in Southeast Queensland, women are now dominating the industry. They're absolutely dominating the industry in the sense to the point where certain men that grab the qualification can't get a job. Why? Because law firms have realised that women, with their greater uh, harnessing of, of, of emotions and their greater understanding of emotions, handle clients better. It's very yeah. black and white. Women handle okay. clients better than men. Crazy, right? Because women are more nurturing. It's like they're maternal or something. Wow, crazy. Yeah, no.
0: emotional
1: intelligence. You would say no, emotional intelligence. So look, we could kid ourselves all day long and say that we're all the same, but we're not. Women have this superiority in that respect. Not saying that men can't have that and certain men aren't better at that, but generally speaking, it's a safe bet that women will likely have better gauge of emotional intelligence than men. And in turn, in that industry, they're a lot better prepared for it. So firms are hiring women because it's going to benefit the firm. It's going to benefit the women that are applying and the whole industry is going to benefit because the clients are going to benefit. And the clients are people like you and me that need legal support, which can be quite sensitive. So do we go back and say that it's unfair to men?
0: I think there's a difference in a sense that again, it should be coming down to interview characteristics. If you come across someone in the exact same, the whole argument I used to have with my, um, one of my family members, he was, incredibly like i would probably classify him as a menace, whatever the hell you want to call that phrase <laughs> in a sense that oh, trust me it was so bad he'd be like oh women shouldn't work in shops because they're better doing this and that was like what are you trying to say at first but one of the things he kept saying to me was that if you have an office block and you have men and women together they're just going to flirt they're just going to this that this that and these whole ideas of men and women being put down to very simple words like saying okay man is smart man is more like this woman is more like this but at the moment especially with a lot of people saying okay i identify masculine traits and they do identify masculine traits or feminine traits in a sense that there have been a lot of there recently especially a lot of more a lot more guys are becoming a lot more emotionally intelligent because they're more aware of other things that are going on in the world and again i would agree in general saying that women probably do have a higher level of emotional intelligence due to that nurturing aspect i do still think that it should still be based on independent characteristics, as you said. So in the law firm example, you are right in a sense that a lot of women probably are much more emotionally intelligent, but there will still be that small selection of men that will definitely suit that career choice or definitely suit that specific firm with those specific ideals. And I don't think there should be discrimination based on that. I do, I, I do agree and I don't and like that If someone comes into the interview demonstrating those skills, that emotional intelligence, which is very easy to test. I don't know if you've seen emotional intelligence testing. It's basically like having a conversation about sad things. If someone has that emotional intelligence and can harness that thing, great, give them the job or put them through to the next stage of the interview. But don't just cross them out just because you assume they don't have that thing about testing it.
1: Yeah, and this is is like where I think, I'd like to think everyone is in agreement with this, but I know there aren't. No. Let, let, me, let me let me explain. So I would like to think in a very black and white environment, if you've got a man and a woman or two people of very different ethnic, gender, whatever the traits you're comparing for equality yeah. purposes, if they are of equal capacity and they provide equal reason to be recruited, I would like to think both people would be then put into the next stage. And this okay. is where I get into a lot of disagreements with people because I don't want to focus on something that... Novel because I just don't think it happens, but I know it does. I'm sure it does. I'm not doubting that. What I'm saying is that in in a more generalized sense, is that there will be superiorities amongst genders, race, and and different comparable traits. They just have natural advantages. Probably race is a little bit less likely. But yeah, I was going to say gender. <laughs> well, no, actually, I disagree with that. There are there are circumstances where race does have um, heightened. Uh, capacities if the job has a certain cultural significance or if there's cultural oh, yeah. influence to it and all the rest of but it in this, so,
0: no. in this in that paradigm you'd have to remove a cultural influence in the sense that if you have someone going into an asian community like in actually actually in asia where cultural norms are very different to here yes of course someone with those traditions and values who or who holds those traditions and values will work better but i don't think it's fair to put culture into that paradigm if you're having a neutral working space
1: Yeah. Yeah. Again, sounds good on paper. And I agree with you on paper. I think the the reality though, is I don't think we can ever really aspire for that because I will never, I don't think that's ever achievable truly unless everyone is a really good person, but hopefully, you know what I mean? Um, so but, yeah, look, I, I guess what I, what I was trying to say, getting to the, getting back to the kind of the original point, is that I don't like to focus on the fact that I would imagine in a, in a very secular environment, two people, if they're identical in their capacities, as far as the interviewer is concerned, irrespective of the differences, they will go ahead. But what I'm saying is that I don't want that to be misinterpreted and taken too far to say that no one has these differences and there's no such thing as someone who is more suitable or less suitable that can be coincided with a biological trait. It just so happens to. And that has to, like, that has to be acknowledged. Until until there are no, uh, there are no inherent differences between the genders, I can't agree with the world that there are. That, that there is a, like the utmost equity of opportunity because there, isn't, there are more opportunities for women in certain respects and there are more opportunities for men. That's why engineering has an 80-20 ratio between men and women. That's why nursing has the opposite between women and men. Yes, it's changing. I'm not saying that women don't exist in engineering and men don't exist in nursing, but there's a reason men go into engineering and women go into nursing. And if you break it down, it does come down, down to very much biological traits that are gender-based.
0: I think one of the big problems when it basing it, as it's coming from a psychological point of view regarding obviously you take into account a lot of things of sex and gender and a lot of different chemicals and a lot of different hormones but i think at the moment in time based on previous well, basically previous data it's very hard to say that gender dictates what you want to do because a lot of the time on the statistics we're basing off let's say we're basing it off the last 50 or 60 years that idea of gender in the workplace or sex sorry sexuality or gender in the workplace is changing massively if the same statistics so let's say are still around in let's say 10 to 20 years and let's say pc culture or cultural not cultural what's the word basically the idea that people are becoming more accepting if that is steadily increasing or steadily becoming the same thing and those norms are still in place then i would wholeheartedly agree but unfortunately from a from that point of view from psychology it's very hard to say that because this data has been said before doesn't mean it's going to be replicated in the future, Does that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and I, I yeah, and again, it, I think it just comes down to like what I'm not trying to I'm not trying to d- I'm not trying to um simplify this too much because I don't want to I don't want to come across as condescending to anyone that is That's familiar fine. with psychology or study psychology. But there is there is the concept that that I like to think of as what 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 would be what would be better, generally speaking, right? It would be nice to agree and understand that um gender has. Little relevance, and it does come down to the person's inherent personality and their yep. traits and their, you know, their levels of, you know, the the big five, you know, levels of conscientiousness yep. and all the rest of it. Yep. But uh, I, I that from what I understood, there are very the the data that the data that's been historic in probably the last thirty to forty years is still very much akin. It is slowly changing, and probably that slow change is quite significant. But I would yep. still argue that in a lot of these industries and a lot of these kind of stereotypically gender dominant roles they still exist right like i'm in it and 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 i hate using anecdotal evidence i hate using it but mm-hmm. in my from what i've read in conjunction with the anecdotal evidence there is still a gross disproportion of men to women in it like gross disproportion now people can come back to me and say it's because that there's a barrier to entry for women and it's because women are apprehensive to go into it and i'm sure there are women that feel that way and i'm not dismissing that i would also argue it's because most women don't want to go into it and there's probably reasons for that so in the same way that a lot of women probably don't want to go into engineering because they grow up with different values and they grow up with different aspirations. They see what their mum does. They see what society does and all the rest of it. And you can say, well, that's conditioning them to go away from engineering. So they'll never want to do engineering. Okay, they'll never want to do engineering. But the fact of the matter is they don't want to do engineering. So don't whinge to me that there are not enough women being represented in the engineering industry if there are not enough women going to become engineers it's kind of like the women the the, the great example of women in uh, top 200 companies or in uh, c level board positions why are there no women in uh, ceo positions and cro positions and cfo positions and then you ask those those same people um, you know why why didn't you go and do that why didn't you go aspire to me? well i wanted to go have a kid why should i be punished for going to have a kid well okay very easy to say you know that we're punishing you for going to have a kid but let's let's really break it down you're going to go have a kid you're going to be out of the workplace for 12 months what am i going to do as an employer to sustain the company for 12 months given your position was very important it had a lot of responsibilities it had a lot of implications and it had a very high annualized salary attached to it because you were on the road to becoming a c level executive you are in line So your journey will take you there. But if you leave for a year, then I've got to fill that hole. Now, it's not just the year you're leaving for. It's then you're coming back and you're only coming back part-time. So then you're going to come back in a part-time fashion. That will take you another six months. This is the average. Not every woman is like this, right? Um, And then they come back part-time for six months. And then they come back for full-time after that six months. So 18 months, keeping in mind they were pregnant. So in the last probably two to three months of pregnancy, they're not working at 100% which is fine. That's accepted. So but for the better part of 20 to 21 months, there is an impeded, albeit absence of contributions and productivity to the workplace and the workplace will suffer in turn. So you can't, you, I, I don't see the issue. I can't see why you would then have an issue after the fact, after coming back after 18 months, you're complaining that you're not in that C-level position already.
0: I, what I'd argue to that is the saying about the idea of um, paternity and maternity leave. I still think, and I do think it should be pushed. I don't care what anyone says. If someone is, if there's, say, for example, you have two workers in different jobs, different things. If the mother becomes pregnant, I do think the man should still have the same privilege or the other partner, not trying to be sexist or anything on those lines. If any if any, any two members who obviously make a child are still together, I think they should have the same privilege to go off, go off work for that amount of time to do all those things. And then there wouldn't be that, I wouldn't say discrimination, but I guess in that sense, you've got to choose between family and your job that exactly. way it removes the idea that the person who is has the capability of having a child isn't then discriminated against if you make it so if the woman if the woman has a child and a husband if the man and the, the husband and the wife of the child or the husband and the husband and the wife etc i'm not going to keep going i'm just gonna say husband and wife because it's a lot easier to say but yeah, all other course. yeah all other sexualities and genders considered but if both part if both members have a child they both deserve the same privilege to go spend that first 12 months of the childhood, make sure everything's going to be OK with them, blah, blah, blah. They do. They deserve that leave. But equally, I do agree in a sense that if someone says, look, I'm going to have a kid, but can I still be CEO and CFO? You know, I do agree in saying that, no, you shouldn't because you don't have the time for the job. You don't have the time for the role. And in, in a lot of time, unfortunately, you're going to have to pick. Is it family or is it a job? And I think the same thing should apply to the other partner. If the husband is, say, for example, running for a CEO position of a different place or a different higher up position, it should be okay. Do you want to have this family with your partner? Do you want to be demoted, or do you want to stay on this, stay in this business, run for the highest paid job, run for the highest controlled thing and control the company? It has, you have to choose.
1: Exactly right, and and, and that's and that's that's the crux of it. And I just I get I get surrounded by. People, I won't attribute uh, an objective to those people because they're right to have the entitled to have that opinion. But yep. they would argue that that woman or that man or whoever is going off for that eighteen month period should be able to continue their d- professional journey as if nothing happened. And I just but I can't, can't agree can't. with
0: that at all. Because one, you're, it's a detriment to the child if both family members or both parents are trying their best to do it. And I'm not being funny. You are going to be neglecting that child if you're working a job where seven, six out of seven days. You are not going to be able to see that child when they're at that age, then it's just, it's, I just don't get it. I don't think, I think there has to be an allowance to say, like, okay, you want to run for this position, you prove you can dedicate yourself to this whilst ignoring your child for this amount of time, then fine, or get carers and get that stuff. But you've got to say, even if I have a child, even in this amount of time, do you have to be willing to put this time into the company? If you don't, you lose the position. And most you people say, hard. OK, that's impossible. I can't do it. And fine, then stay where you are, because it's horrible to say that the people at the top of those businesses can't have that level of a functional family whilst being there themselves. It's either they're, abject, they're either absent from the family and they're not there and they still the kid is there and raised by carers and so on and so on and so on. This, you can speak for loads of CEOs and say, oh, yeah, I have a child. Oh, how often do you see them? I have a child. No, it's,
1: exactly uh, and, and that's why they get paid the big yeah. bucks and, every, and people look at, yeah. you know, they throw stones at glass houses, right? And they say, oh, you know, these people make so much money and they don't, what do they actually do and all the rest of it? Oh, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't, I, I, you could not pay me enough money to put, to stay, to have one day in their shoes because the, no, the, the sacrifice to family, the sacrifice to time management, they don't have a life, they, their health suffers, um, but someone's got to do it, right? And they choose yeah. to do it. So they get re- remunerated quite quite well in accordance and well deservedly, I would argue. Um, so... I think
0: I think there's an argument between equity and deservance in a sense that sometimes, yes, the pay is ridiculously too high regarding some companies. We still won't mention anything at the moment because I don't want to cause any problems because I, I don't like to put my own personal opinions into that stuff. Same as politics. I won't talk about my personal political views, though it's probably quite quick to infer. But the point I would make overall is that if you are going to go out of your way to have a fact, to make a family you need that amount of time to spend in that family you need that amount of time to spend with your partner with your child and that stuff and if you want to have that functional family you can't be in those positions because there's just not enough time in the day to do it and if you want to do that you're either going to run yourself into the ground and go on to carers but again if you think you can start families going to anyone who's listening to this just to make a point i'm not saying don't do it i'm saying if you can prove that you can do that run a functional family and do all those things, great for you, but the average person won't be able to do it.
1: Correct, I agree. And
0: the amount of characteristics you actually need to be able to have a functional family, have like a six, seven figure job, be able to dedicate 90% of your time to that, whilst dedicating the 10% of the time to your kids and your family. Also, when's the time for you gonna come in? When's the time to have social stuff, friends, and those so things to keep yourself sane? You, you can't do it all at once, it's impossible. You'll drive yourself mad, and it's why a lot of CEOs either end up divorcing their partners or getting very, well, let's just say into different substances and different um, vices because there's, there's too much to manage. There's too much to juggle.
1: Correct, I couldn't agree more, mate.
0: And again, to anyone listening that is thinking this is being discriminative or anything like that, I'm not saying, I'm not to say, if you want to go for those positions, go for it. Try your hardest to do all these things, but please take into account what you'll be losing by taking up those positions. And that's going to anyone who can have a kid or anyone who wants to have a child with someone. If you have a child, you should be dedicating enough time to make sure that child is going to be okay. It's as simple as that to me.
1: So, yeah, that's why I started the podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, God. It's, It's always great when you get into conversations like that, isn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right.
0: Also, if anyone who does want to send in this, please either put a comment on the post of this or send a message to Jay about it because I'm interested to what other people's opinions are on this because at the end of the day, we're just two people talking about something.
1: So, and, and, keep, yeah. and keep in mind, it's all done within the confines of a podcast, right? We, we, yeah, exactly. could, flesh out, we could flesh it out even further and we could give a lot of context, yeah. but we've got to balance out how much context we give versus the impact of the statements to make sure that it's um, addressed in a certain way. Yeah. So... You know, reach out to us and, and just ask the questions, and we'll be happy. And I, I know both of us would be happy to have a one-on-one chat and really go into a lot of more depth if we have to. So, yeah, because yeah, feel-
0: at, you know, at the end of the day, what Jay's doing is talking about malattention to all those things, whereas on the flip side for me, I'm just talking about the effects of mental health. And to me, if you're working that amount of time, I don't think you can safely manage your own mental health, your partner's mental health, your child's mental health, and all those other things. I just don't think it's a safe thing to do for the average person some people are well wired to the point where they can have a family have a job that's like 90 hours some people can do it but the average person probably can't and would need a lot of help with it and it's just it's just not worth it in my opinion to go through that amount of stress just to prove a point but yeah anyway uh moving on (laughs) (laughs) so based on what we've spoken about a little bit so if anyone's listened to this, you've listened to this before, you've heard my story a little bit about my mental health. But yeah, so Jay, do you want to share what, what your experience of mental health has been like?
1: Yeah, mental health. Um I used to be one of those persons that very much dismissed the idea of mental health. Um okay. and, and the reason for that was I'm a very tenacious individual. And I use the word tenacious very intentionally. Um I'm a very firm believer that. Uh, in, in, in action over words, uh, and continuing to strive for improvement or recovery. So if you're going through a tough time, I'm that kind of character that will kind of prop you up on your shoulders, pick you up, and say, "Look, let's keep going." You know what okay. I mean? Let's not let's yeah. not wallow, let's not you know manifest in our sorrows because I, that can only get you so far. Yeah. What I failed to understand and what I failed to acknowledge as time went on is that the reasoning for people getting into those situations sometimes was more than their feelings were hurt or something didn't go their way. It was a bigger issue. Uh, I saw it in immediate family members. I saw it in friends. And even then, even though it was at my eye level, I still couldn't see it. I was like, well, you know, that person's just upset or that person's just always angry all the time and that's just normal. (laughs) And looking back on it, probably probably a very naive uh, interpretation of what I was seeing. Mm. But it was only until I got into my own kind of uh, set of circumstances where I was having a lot of issues. I was struggling with um, various uh, – for anyone that knows me well, and this is mainly my family and close friends, the the biggest issue I've had in the last four years is balancing, um, which I think a lot of people have issues with. Balancing yeah. in the sense of trying to keep all the significant people in your life happy with you not just happy with you, but happy with the other people in your life, Um, making sure your family are happy with your partner or making sure your partner is happy with your friends or making sure your friends is happy with both your partner and your uh, family. And the thing is, all these people have vested interests in your safety and well-being for different reasons. Your parents want you to be safe and well because they produce you and they put a lot of effort and time and money into raising you. So hmm. you got to do the right thing by them. There's this element of duty to it. I know people won't like that, but there is an element of duty as much as yeah. there is love and compassion. Um, your friends want you to be okay because you play a role in the societal structure uh, and you are of a certain... Uh, persona or influence and they care about you and they have uh, love and admiration for you but you also play a role in the societal structure and their development as well you might be older or more experienced or whatever it is and then the romantic partner well that's pretty straightforward Uh, they've dedicated their their life to you ideally uh, assuming a nuclear relationship um, and they want you to be around funnily enough for life (laughs) Um, so that you can do the things that they want to do, whether it is having children or a family or whether it is just having a long life uh, friendship that also has those extended kind of uh, capacities and (laughs) benefits if you're a male. Um, Now, the problem I I had was that in trying to keep everyone happy, um, I really compromised my own happiness and development. Um, And in turn, I kind of went down a spiral um, and I got to a point where looking back on it, I don't want to give it a name because I don't know if it was the case, and I don't want to dismiss anyone that genuinely goes through these things. There might have been elements of depression in there. I really struggled to get up in the morning. I had a, uh, you know, the the common colloquialism, but this is the only way I can explain it. Uh, I had a dark cloud that hung over my head. Uh, I felt my hands were always weighted, um, and I could just, and any small thing that went wrong, um, it was like the end of the world. And um, it was almost like, um, I used to get angry very quickly and I'd never been an angry person. Um, and again, like I said earlier in the podcast, that was a, a very big difference between my brother and I, that I wasn't very emotive, especially when it came to anger and temperament, but he unfortunately at the time was not anymore. Thank Thank goodness. He's, he's come a long way. Um, so I used to get angry and frustrated a lot. Like if something broke, or if uh, I, if I had an unexpected bill that I hadn't accounted for in my finances, um, it just used to it used to ruin me for like hours, if not days. Like I used to, okay. I I'd feel I feel sick to my stomach thinking about it. But like my partner would go to all this effort of planning a beautiful day out with us for the weekend because we don't get much time together, and something would go wrong, very small, and she would act, and she knew how I was going to react and she would go ends of the earth to make sure I didn't react. Like she used to walk on eggshells and say, it's all right, Jay, don't worry about it. It's fine. I'll, I'll pay for it or whatever it was. And it was too late. I was just angry and I was just frustrated and I used to ruin the day. I used to slam doors. I used to break, break plates. I used to throw things against walls. I used to just do stupid things looking back on it. Um, and then, uh, you know, at that point, I started to realize only in retrospect and after a period of isolation that um, yeah, there's something wrong um, okay. there's Something wrong with, with how I was feeling. There was something wrong with my, uh, again, my mental health, if you want to call it that. Um, and, and then it was a, it was a bit of a, a self healing exercise. Um, I, I would love to tell people that um, everyone played a major role and, and I had a great support structure, which I did. I am not doubting that I did, but It was very much a self-healing exercise. It was me putting myself in a room and just laying it all out, you know, screaming screaming sessions with myself, um, crying. I cried a lot. I cried a lot. Uh, I yelled a lot. And I just got it all out over some days and weeks. And this is a very interesting kind of recovery exercise, but that's what I did. And then i just kind of laid it all out on paper and said you know who am i what are my values what am i why do i do what i do what am i and this is, comes back to the, the the discovery of potential and i'm really glad i went through this exercise because i think i'm i've really started that journey quite significantly and what i came to realize is that i love everyone around me i'm a, i'm people person in the dictionary my face that's what you'll see um not literally people um <laughs> And I love people. I love I live for people. Like my, my world is my dog. Mm. Uh, He is, his name's Atlas. And the the idea that he's only around for 15 years breaks my heart because he, I live for him. You know what I mean? I really do. And, and, and then beyond him, I live for my family and I live for my partner and they all love me significantly. They've all gone, they've just done so much for me. And I want to live a life where I can repay the favor and everything I do is for them. Anything I achieve is for them. Any successes I attribute are for them. And, and I tell that to the, all of them every day of the week. I say to them, I, say, I do it for you. And I don't like putting that pressure on them. And they say, no, no, do it for yourself. But they don't understand that doing it for myself is doing it for them. Because I tell you what, you know, Jason, if I didn't have a partner, if I didn't have family, if I didn't have Atlas, I would probably be in a... I'd probably buy an old combi van and I'd drive around Australia and I'd live very much a very limited lifestyle week to week because I wouldn't have those – I wouldn't have that reasoning to be more than I am. I wouldn't have That's that – reason- motivation. Yeah, exactly right. I wouldn't work yeah. hard. I, would, I wouldn't get up at 5 o'clock every morning and go to the gym before work. I wouldn't go and work a job, which is very tough. I love my job, but it's a tough job and the industry is very tough and there's a reason – that the earnings are, are so lucrative and, and potentially lucrative. And there's a reason that you have to go and, you know, you've got to go to uni to get the qualification to go into this role. It's not like they can pick you up off the street. It's not like retail sales, yeah? I tell people I work in sales and it, it really bothers me because they think, oh, so you must work in retail sales. This is another comparison between my brother and I. My brother's a store manager at a retail telco. He's done very well for himself. But something that I've always wanted to distinguish is that what someone like that does is sales. What I do is business development. My 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 um my level of sales requires ongoing relationship development over months and years. And you know, the deal sizes are not Hundreds of dollars. They're tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands into the millions of dollars. You know what I mean? There, there's so much pressure that comes with that. And you can't, You like every conversation you have with a prospective client over 18 months, you cannot afford it. Can I swear on this podcast? Yes, you can. You, you cannot afford to fuck it up. You could get 14 months into an 18-month deal and you say one thing that the other person just takes the wrong way, like many things in this podcast I could imagine, and, mate, we don't want to do business with you anymore. And then 14 months of hard work are down the drain. It's gone. Yeah, pressure. Pressure as as you can, right? So anyway, so, you know, I I do all that and everything like that. uh, And I guess where I was going with it uh, is basically – I went through this exercise. I, I understood my, my value structure more so. Um, I acknowledge why I do what I do and who I do it for, and I've lived my life in accordance since. I'm not, you know, I'm not self vested. I've got look, I've got my own personal aspirations, don't get me wrong, but my first aspirations are always doing right by my family, doing right by my partner, and giving those people and Atlas, my dog, the best quality of life as much as I can. And that makes me genuinely happy makes me genuinely happy, and I've never been better. I've never felt better. I've lost – Jason, I, I, beginning of the year, I, I was I was 87 kilos, um, which I, wow. I can't convert to, to pounds or stone that's for anyone who needs those metrics, but I'm now 73 kilos. Wow.
0: Impressive. Purely
1: from, purely from the change of mindset and from that rediscovery – I hate the cliche, but that rediscovery, well, my, physical, my physical health just improved – dramatically because I was more dedicated. I was going to the gym a lot more. I didn't have that issue. And I was so excited. And it just, it's all come full circle. I'm doing better at my job. I've got, uh, my, my relationship has improved dramatically in all facets. And I'm talking all facets. I'm talking emotionally, physically, psychologically, sexually, whatever you want to say. Yep. It's all improved. And my relationship with my family have improved dramatically. Not in the sense that it was ever bad, but I think it was misunderstood. Yeah, And I'm in a good spot now. And I guess I really want to help other guys find that good spot and find that, that start to their journey because it, it, all, it all does come down to rediscovering yourself and realising that innate potential that was always there, it just maybe wasn't in your eyeline. Does
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that in a sense that a lot of the reason I want to do what I'm doing is for a very similar reason more in a sense of i want to help people who don't feel normal go back to feeling that level of normality in their own life based on changing the way they think based on the way they feel and behave that's what the basis for a lot of therapies are like what you described to me is kind of like a poor man's version of cbt and i don't mean that in an offensive way i mean more like it was you've done it by yourself without knowing what cbt kind of is Mm -hmm. that makes sense and it's like saying about looking at the way you think the way you feel aligning of your personal values and some of that Actually, it's probably more like acceptance and commitment therapy, which is, in fact, no, that is more like that. Yeah. You've accepted the state you're in, the position you are, looked at what values you hold in life and how you can use those values to motivate yourself to do things around you. Like, And I definitely agree with one of the statements you said, for some people, they live for themselves. They derive happiness from looking after themselves and doing stuff with others. Whereas in your sense, you're the opposite. You derive pleasure and this level of motivation by helping others. I was the only reason I, I, I definitely agree with it is because my partner's the same the happiest I see her or when she's in, is when I know she's helped someone else or when she's helping other people because at the end of the day she's a she's a helper I don't know if you're familiar with um the uh the 16 personalities thing it's so now it's like derivative of the big five there's like specific n- names and one of the ones she always gets is she always gets one of the helping ones and she's always feels great when she's done things for other people myself I'm kind of I help others to help myself in a sense, but more in the literal sense. Like if I help someone else, I can then help myself, which then derives my pleasure, I guess, if that makes sense. Like that feeling of accomplishment, which again, neither side is bad or good. It's just, everyone's different. And the way you described it is perfect in a sense that for you, Helping others, helping your friends out, helping this community that you're developing on from our potential is going to make you feel better because, you know, you're helping others. Therefore, you feel better and therefore you can sustain like this, try to you describe your family, friends, partner, etc. And I think it's really important that people understand and get to learn themselves and what do- makes them drive, what I don't I don't know what makes them drive. That's not the right phrasing. What drives them to do what they want to do, because for some people. They will do the worst job imaginable, but because of one aspect of their life, everything else is gold. Nothing else matters. And on the opposite for other people, everything's amazing, but that one thing is dragging them down. And before they realise that, they feel terrible. Absolutely.
1: And I think, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned that. And this, this kind of comes back to, so, you know, what is the relationship with mental health now? And what it is for me now on the reflection of all this is basically, you know, I acknowledge that mental health is... A thing, and I know that's a very poor way of saying it, but that's the only way I can really explain it. It is a thing. It is so important, yeah. Uh, and it can affect you great, drastically. And I acknowledge that now in the way I see other people. I always my first thought whenever someone maybe has an episode or, or or has a tantrum or gets really upset, like really kind of at face value, kind of like unfairly, except like exaggeratedly ex, uh, upset. Um, yeah. My first question is. You know, my first thought is, what are they going through? What is their mental health like at this very moment? Yeah, and, and
0: that's
1: I never, and I never used mean. to think like that. Exactly, I think so too. I think it is the best way to think because it, if you address everything at face value, then everyone around You're you, is a piece of shit. everyone <laughs> yeah. around exactly. you is a piece of shit, yeah. right? Because someone gets angry for no reason, someone says something that really grossly competes with your values, or they just get dramatically upset. And the fact of the matter is, is like, no, the, the, the there's fact, a reason for it. There's a reason. And and the idea that everyone can be like that without that reason is just, it's a very. I'm sure there is a, there is a reality out there somewhere where that is the case, but it's a very dangerous thought, thought pattern. Right. So I go that one step further and ask the question, I'll give you an example. So, um, About thinking beyond, which is you know, one of my younger brothers recently got his grades back, um, and he was very happy with his grades because he did he he elects for very difficult subjects, very difficult subjects, subjects that I never got to do. Which I'm I'm known as the academic brainiac in the family, but I couldn't do the subjects he's doing. So he's, (laughs) as far as I'm concerned, he's the academic anyway. And um, he only got only he got B's and C's. He didn't get any A's as such. He's used to A's, but he's doing harder subjects. So, but the thing is that the rest of the people probably didn't acknowledge that. So when he got his report card and showed everyone, everyone was very quick to point out that he didn't get any A's and he only got B's and C's. And then I didn't give my opinion. And then they asked me my opinion. Say, Jay, what do you think? And I said, actually, I think that's the best report card he's ever gotten. And they're like, huh? What do you mean? <laughs> How could? And, and my the, the brother who works at the in the retail uh, store manager position, who's the one that him and I kind of are closest to each other, but we compete probably most of all because we're so close in age. Um, yeah. He said, "How can you say that?" I said, "Well, let, let's do let's let's look at it on, on face value." I said, "Look at the subjects he's doing." He's like, "Okay, what significance does that have?" I said, "Well, they're the hardest subjects he's ever done." I said, "They're subjects that you've never done and that I've never done. I know that for a fact. They're they're, yeah. they're like they're like advanced level subjects. They're not math basic. It's math advanced, as an example, yeah. um, or literacy versus English, right?" And um, and then I said, "I have also, which you guys probably haven't done. I also keep in touch with him every week and ask him how his studies are going." yeah through the last 10 weeks of his semester and i ask him what are you struggling with what are you going well with what's going on so i know everything that's going on in his world as far as that interaction is week to week i knew the personal struggles he was going through he was having issues in the home dynamics because you know he's the only boy in the house minus my father so he lives with three sisters so that has its own challenges and implications because the rest of the brothers have moved out of home right and so, you know, he's facing all these different challenges and he's at an age, at an age where development is quite important, puberty, yeah. you know, finding yourself and all those kind of things that happen at that age. He's, I think, he's like 14, 15 years of age, Shivam. His yeah. name's Shiv. Oh, um, same age
0: as my little brother as well. So, yeah, oh, reflecting
1: on that. Yeah, yeah, so his name's Shiv and um, he's at that age. And uh, so I said, no, I think he's done extremely well for himself and I think all things considered, I think it's a very remarkable effort. I think it's the best report card he's ever gotten. Yeah. Now, let's break that down. You could have looked at the report card at face value and look at that as the person and say, Oh, that person's just in the head. Or yep. you could look beyond that and look into the circumstances surrounding the report card and say, Well, that's why that person is the way they are at this moment.
0: What's well, the reason now a lot of universities take into have contextual boundaries, especially in this country? So a lot of people, like we're looking at down at um, the higher universities because they're accepting people with B's and C's. Little did they know that person's mum and dad might have died that year because and that's the reason they're going because that contextual difference, even with that horrific thing happening, they still got B's and Cs.:
1: Exactly right. it's, it's, it's the concept of, of, of overcoming yeah. adversity and the tenacity that comes with it and all the rest yeah, of it. Definitely. and these are the things, and these are the things that can't be reflected on paper, but they have to be understood, you know what I mean It's like another conversation I was having with the same brother um, about the, the concept of doing something you love versus doing something that pays, pays your wage or yep. doing something that pays the bills. And and, and I, I don't think we ever really disagreed, but I think the areas of focus are different. His area of focus is, yes, do whatever you love, but make sure you're earning money at the same time. Yeah. And But I would much rather just focus on the fact of doing something you love, knowing that you have to earn money somewhere along the line. I know you have to earn money. I know you've got to pay your way, but I don't want, I don't want that to be an area of focus for people because not in the sense of don't focus on it and don't make money. You've got to make money somewhere along the lines, unless you've got yep. a very... Structure, but don't allow the pressure of making a certain amount of money compromise the direction that you want to take. So, if you if what you love only pays you, I'll I'll put this in pounds for people, make it easier. If what you if what you love only pays you thirty thousand pounds a year, or doing something you hate pays you sixty thousand pounds a year, I would like to think that most people. Some won't and that's okay because money can provide other things and make you happier in other ways. But yeah. I would hate to think that someone would say, I actually want the extra money and I'm going to do something I hate for 40 hours a week, every week of my life for the next 30 years, just so I can have a nicer car, nicer house, nicer family and all the rest of it.
0: Yeah, it's not, it doesn't, it's the same thing as the quality versus equity, isn't it? For some people, that equity is a lot higher or lower than others. In my opinion, I if I if for me for a job, at the moment I've just graduated so I no longer have to look at shitty little part-time jobs I can look at graduate jobs I can look at stuff I want to do and the pay is about 24k out of university which most people go what the fuck why why have you done that you're gonna hate it that's terrible money is like, well you may be so but I've just started my career I still need to get other qualifications I still need to do all these different things to do what I want to do and that's fine with me I know I'm going to enjoy doing it I know I yeah. could have waited a year or two and worked with this person in the trade to do this, but I wouldn't enjoy it. i fucking hate it. I'd hate sitting doing the same thing every single day. And for me, it would drive me mental. That whole, um, what's the word? Monotony would drive me absolutely insane. So I have to do something that allows me to be diverse. And in this sense, I can't get much more, more diverse, working with hundreds of different people with different mental health problems, learning about their conditions, their positions in life, where they are. And yeah, there could be some patterns. There could be some, monotony but it's nothing compared to like working in the same shop doing the same tasks doing the same thing for like 20 30 years and hating every minute of it going home to my family and going look i still hate my life <laughs> it's okay though so i've got a nice car
1: yeah exactly right so
0: right, forget what we just said um turns out anchor's glitching out as usual so i'm gonna leave it on a little anecdote regarding what we was talking about one of the biggest things for me for mental health is witnessing people in the streets outside having struggling mental health and something quite, quite enigmatic, quite unusual happened to us the other day. We were driving around um, the city where university is, and this woman was just walking down the road and started throwing chips in the road. So we were about 10 minutes down, about five minutes away from her. We could see her doing it. And so it's a bit of an odd thing to happen, isn't it? You know, someone's just chucking chips at you in the road. So we, we keep going, we get up to close to her. She then throws the packet into the ground, kicks it. The car hits the packet. She then screams, fuck off, go away at us. And we have no fucking clue what just happened. So as you said about the face value thing, you could take that as, okay, crazy woman, want hit my car, going to call the police. Yeah, one way to look at it, as you said, about face value, yeah? Yeah. Another way to look at that is, she's obviously mentally unwell. Let's just leave her be. She's, she's going for her own problems. She doesn't need us to call the police on her. She's not, she hasn't really done that much damage. She threw some chips into the road, calm down kind of thing. And it's the opposite way of what you said or the opposite side of the spectrum to what you said. Some people who are going through horrific things that neither of us will ever understand to any level are acting in that way because their mind is just completely frazzled. They might be getting help, they might not be getting help, but if we we don't know and we don't cry, we won't know. So you've just got to accept that some people are gonna be like that in the world and that we we won't know what they're experiencing. And we can't really blame them for that. Like the people screaming in the streets or talking to people that aren't there. And I'm sure you've witnessed people like that in Australia. Like, <laughs> just fucking doing weird things that you will never understand why. I'm sure now you probably think, ah, they're probably mentally unwell because well, it's pretty obvious they are, or they're going through something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Right. On that note, we have a very abrupt ending because uh, we talked about <laughs> the CEOs for a bit too long, I think. But other than that, it's been really great podcasts. It's been great having you on, Jay. And yeah, definitely if anyone's interested in where have to stay, please check out Mel Potential Instagram. Yeah, amazing guy. And his moments of potential series is amazing. Personally, love it. Anything oh, else you'd like to say, Joe?
1: Uh, just yeah, thanks everyone for for the support so far, and 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 do do be sure to check out uh, rainy days. Uh, Jason's a great character, and I've been really appreciative to for him to have me on, and we're both doing good things, and he's doing some great stuff with mental health awareness. So uh, it won't be the first won't be the last conversation we have together, I'm sure. Uh, so thanks to me. everyone. Of
0: course not. All right, it's been nice speaking to you. And yeah, that's it. See you later, guys. Bye.
1: See ya.